Iowa everywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. John Miller is back with reaction from this week's game. Only on Iowa Everywhere. From the Channel Seat Studios, it's Hawkeye Sundays. Iowa 26, Michigan State 16. This is John Miller following the Hawkeyes' victory over the Spartans from the state of Michigan with Mark D'Antonio on the sideline. And man, it is always nice to see Mark D'Antonio leaving a game with Iowa with an L, the L for the scowl on his face. This one was not pretty, but then again, when was the, when was the last Iowa game that was pretty? Um, a lot to get to in this game. I think we start with the obvious. Uh, Cade McNamara went down in the first half. Uh, Deacon Hill played the rest of the way. Cade McNamara's left knee uh, would look like the culprit. He did not put any weight on it being carried off the field, on the sidelines, and then placed onto a cart. Was on crutches in the second half on the sidelines. Seen a lot of football in my life, and the high-def, slow-motion instant replay showed some weird stuff going on in his leg. And it would not surprise me if he is done for the season. And we barely knew ye. And it, I just had this line from the gin blossoms coming through my head. They say you can't miss something you never had, but why do I still feel so bad? And Cade McNamara never really got it going. Hurt his right quad in the kids' day practice. Really wasn't himself the entire season. Kirk Ferentz saying publicly at a press conference, which I'm still surprised he said this, that Iowa wouldn't quarterback sneak with Cade and wouldn't run primary bootleg action with Cade. And every time Cade ran, I think we were all wincing as if we were just waiting for another soft tissue muscle pull or something along those lines. He just wasn't himself. I think he threw for... He threw for less than 500 yards in four games. And that's just not going to get it done. And it really sucks for him. Someone who missed last year with uh, an ACL on the uh, right knee. Uh, Somebody who seemed really happy to be at Iowa, still gets to be at Iowa. But, um, you know, his Hawkeye playing days may be done. And that is a bummer. Deacon Hill came in and it's really difficult to be too critical of Deacon Hill who has not had a full week's worth of reps with the one since since McNamara went down in camp. Um, we'll be getting most of the reps with the ones, I'm sure, going forward from here. But, man, he is going to have to let, – let's hope that, you know, with more prep time, he doesn't stare down receivers the way that he did in this game. He was locked in sometimes for more than two seconds. The pass protection tonight was pretty good. 
and he would lock on the receiver that he wanted to. Looks like he was making a lot of pre-snap reads. Again, not surprising for someone who wasn't taking snaps likely with the ones last week. It's not surprising. So again, this, you know, if Deacon's the starting quarterback over the next couple, two, three games, you know, next week against Purdue, which is a warm-up before you go to Wisconsin, which is where he transferred to Iowa from. Uh, yeah, we might be able to have a little bit more broader stroke of uh, analysis if it needs to be critical at that time. But the, the biggest things I saw, locking on receivers based off pre-snap reads and thinking what was going to be there. And that's not saying they did it every time. There were some times that he looked off and went through his progressions and found other receivers. He's got a cannon, and that's another criticism I would levy at him. And maybe he was just really amped up. But on the shorter to intermediate throws, he's going to have to learn how to take something off of that ball because he is just rifling the ball. It's getting onto receivers faster than they've been accustomed to with Cade McNamara. Uh, one of the, I think, at least six drops that Iowa had, it was an across the middle, um, you know, just just a drag across the middle. And uh, I think it was Seth Anderson didn't get his hands up in time the ball just got on him too fast. And when you're used to repping with the same quarterback for really the last four weeks and the vast majority of the offseason, at least from the summer on, when Cade McNamara was the one throwing to him, you begin to develop a feel and understanding for the timing of the particular quarterback's um, release and how quickly the ball gets to you. And this tonight, I think I, we saw a lot of rust we saw a lot of uncertainty and inexperience with the Iowa um, collection of tight ends and receivers who are not accustomed to catching as many balls from Deacon Hill as they have been Cade McNamara and Deacon's balls get there quicker now I think Iowa's receivers will adjust to that over the coming weeks um, but I think there needs to be two adjustments Deacon's going to need to lay off the heater from close in, and then of course the receivers are going to have to become reacclimated with a new set, you know, a different set of timing as it relates to how quickly that ball gets onto you from a different quarterback, and that does matter a lot. It matters a lot. Um, the, if if any of you ever caught, we played catcher. Uh, in you know junior high or high school baseball, you knew that certain nights, certain teammates, when the stud came out to pitch, the ball just moved differently than it did with your other pitchers on your pitching staff. Same way here. So okay, I think we've touched on that one enough. Don't want to beat it with. Uh, don't don't want to beat it too hard. Um, I, I once again just I don't know. So many of the things I say, I've been saying literally for over a decade, and it's frustrating. Um, you know, one of them is just Iowa's antiquated route trees um, with their you know receivers. Uh, everyone who's going out into the pattern for a pass play, you know, there, there was a second and seven late in the third quarter. Iowa called a bootleg action, and two, there was a, it was a three receiver, a three target route, three receivers, not necessarily wide receivers, but three pass-catching targets in the route. It was just a three-man route. And two of those routes on the boot side were 
pass catchers who were within 10 yards of one another, and there were three bodies there. We've seen that so many times in the Ferentz era. And then the third guy drags across the middle. And then we saw that again a few plays later when Iowa was deep in their own end zone and bootleg action out to the right. It was a three-man route. The announcers on the television brought it up. Hey, that's just a three-man route. And I had a friend of mine text me something after, you know, Iowa's receivers had their fifth and then sixth drop of the night. And, and the gist of it was that if you don't ever feature your wide receivers, you won't get wide receivers that you can feature. And I think that probably resonates with many of you listening to this. Um, and it resonated with me, and it's very true. And, and that's not to throw shade on Caleb Brown, who did have a drop. A lot of people wondering where he was. He had a drop. And again, he's going to need more time with Deacon, just as everyone else is going to need more time with Deacon. You know, but he was a highly acclaimed uh, player out of high school, four-star uh, athlete, transferred from Ohio State to Iowa. Seth Anderson transferred from, you know, a low a low major. Um, he's got talent, but you know, collectively beyond that, we we all know the issues that Iowa has had at developing wide receiver talent keeping wide receiver talent on the roster and them not transferring away and going somewhere else. And that's likely a problem that will continue for them. But when you fail to feature your wide receivers in your offense, you are not going to get wide receivers coming to your school that you can feature in your offense. The offense, the scheme, the antiquated route trees, I think those are the problems. And those aren't changing anytime soon, and I don't believe those things will change under the direction of Kirk Ferentz. So I'm just probably not going to beat my head against the wall anymore because of that. Um, Boy, tonight was just another example of how teams do not respect Iowa through the air. Just once again, loaded box, eight-man fronts, daring Deacon Hill to beat them. And I don't blame them at all. If I was a defensive coordinator, it's the exact same thing I would do. Um, I was just really fortunate that it's defense and special teams oftentimes score the ball. There were two defense, There were uh, two non-offensive touchdowns in this game. Michigan State scored a touchdown on a fumble recovery, and Iowa scored a touchdown on a, uh, on a punt return. Cooper Jean is... Hmm. Charlie Jones as a I think Charlie Jones is a better punt returner, better punt return instincts than Cooper DeGene. And I had said when Charlie Jones was returning punts for Iowa that he was the closest thing to Tim Dwight since Tim Dwight at that position. And Cooper DeGene is getting in that neighborhood, but when you consider the impact that Cooper has on the team as a whole. I think it probably has been since Tim Dwight, um, Desmond King, probably, you know, I think Desmond King, Tim Dwight, Cooper DeGene would be in that realm because Desmond King was also a very good punt returner as well. And he made an enormous impact on, uh, on Iowa's defense. Cooper DeGene makes an enormous impact on Iowa's defense in this game. He had an interception and a punt return for a touchdown. That is a pretty good day's work as well as playing fantastically at his position, uh, uh, just so sound technique-wise, technique-wise, he's built like a truck. He's fast. He is a fun, fun player to watch play, and I'm really glad that, uh, really glad we're getting a chance to see him. But again, save your photos, 
save the papers. This will be Cooper DeGene's last year um, at Iowa. Uh, back a little bit more on the offense. Again, six drops in this game. Uh, Eric All did not have a very distinguished first quarter, uh, but he certainly fought back later in the game. Um, I mean, okay, I shouldn't say he didn't have a distinguished first quarter. He did make a couple of plays, but then he had a few drops and this, some of that disappointment returned. And then Iowa went away from him and then they came back to him. But, you know, again, drop balls for Eric Hall. I think Seth Anderson had a drop. Deontay Vines had at least one drop. Uh, Caleb Brown had a drop. You can't, these are lack of execution plays. And Iowa had a drop in the first half deep in uh, Michigan State territory that basically led to ending a drive. Can't have that, especially when you have an offense as challenged as Iowa. So, yes, there was lack of execution. Um, There was also a play call on third and seven late in the third quarter uh, from Iowa's own 13, and Iowa called a draw, and it didn't work. And you heard on the television... As well, you know, obviously it was confirmed by those who were there, but you could certainly hear it coming through the television. Fire, Brian, clap, 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 clap. Fire, Brian. And that happened at least twice. And that is an ugly, ugly scene. I don't know if Brian moves up into the booth, calls plays from up there um, next week, you know, home game against Purdue. I don't know. But nepotism is something that is frowned upon for a reason because when hard decisions have to be made, it's always hard to do that in an organization anyway. And Kirk Ferentz has not fired any of his assistant coaches unless his hand was forced. That's pretty much just the fact of the matter. But when you add another layer into it that it's your son, and your son hasn't had a really good track record the last couple of years. Your son was, you know, brought up in lawsuits and things of that nature. Some of those dismissed. I'm just saying it's just not been a good run. And it just makes it even harder to make a move when it's your son. And again, that's why there are nepotism laws. And Iowa tried to get cute and get around that with Brian reporting to Gary Barta. And then, of course... <laughs> In that role, Gary Barta, before he left, did the contract, the 25 points per game, et cetera, et cetera. We all know that. This offense is... How much better do you think this offense is going to get this season with the assumption that Cade McNamara won't be back on the field? I don't know. I don't think it's great. Maybe You know what? Maybe their ceiling is higher since Cade McNamara was maybe 80%, 70% at best. And if you can't use your legs, you're in trouble. Hey, looks like the quarterback sneak is back in Iowa's repertoire of offensive plays now that, you know, the uh, skid loader, Deacon, is in there at 6'3", 260 pounds. I mean, he's, you know, he's a Jared Lorenzen light, light by a long way, but... I don't know. I'm just not overly optimistic that we're going to see light bulbs go on and this is going to turn into an average offense. Maybe the offensive line continues to come together and and that will help things out. But again, Iowa's running game issues, a good percentage of that 
are things they invite upon themselves because of their scheme and because of Kirk Ferentz's inability to evolve and adapt as the offensive game of football is evolving and adapting. And hey, maybe maybe you stick to your gun so long that you just become an archaic departure uh, of preparation for your opponent and it works to your advantage. I don't know. We've talked about that before. That to me just seems like people trying to put lipsticks on pigs. For this game, Iowa gained 222 yards. They ran 59 total plays to 76 for Michigan State. Michigan State had the ball for 33 minutes and 48 seconds to Iowa's 26 minutes and 12 seconds. Iowa had two turnovers, but Michigan State had um, four turnovers. Um, Just one, uh, zero sacks in this game by Iowa, and that is another problem. This team's over-under this year at one point in time was seven and a half wins, and it moved up to eight. If you got it at seven and a half, you got a chance. If you got it at eight, you're probably looking at, um, I don't know. I mean, could this team lose two more times? I think it's going to lose one more time for sure. Not for sure, but I feel pretty confident in Wisconsin beating Iowa in Madison. So there's two losses. You know, next week you you play at home against Purdue. You play Northwestern in uh, Wrigley Field. You play uh, Illinois. You play Nebraska. Um, you play. Do uh, you host Rutgers this year? I mean, I need to pull up Iowa's schedule. I think that's what it is. But I mean, honestly, what games on Iowa's schedule are you incredibly confident that they're going to win those games? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me the rest of the way. If Iowa won uh, most, it would surprise me if they won at Wisconsin. But beyond that, if they won those other games, sure, I mean, okay, I can see it because those teams aren't great. Iowa's schedule is very favorable. But if they lost to any of those teams, I'd be irritated, but it wouldn't shock me. So it's home against Purdue, then at Wisconsin on the 14th, and then home against Minnesota um, on the 21st, then a bye, then you play against Northwestern and Wrigley Field. Home with uh, Rutgers on the 11th, home against Illinois on the 18th of November, and then at Nebraska on Black Friday. So, I don't know. I don't know where it's going. I just know it's not going to be pretty. And I know that there's a segment of the fan base who would like to be entertained more on offense than we are, I would be one of those people. There are other segments of the fan base that are like, hey, don't complain after Iowa wins a game. But I think we all watch the same game. And I think if it weren't for the defense forcing turnovers and Cooper DeGene returning a punt for a touchdown, Iowa may not have won this game. And I know that Coaches and players say, hey, it's all three phases. Everybody's got everybody's to carry their weight. Everybody's got to pick it up. Everybody's got to do their part. But we've all been watching Iowa's defense and special teams carry an inordinate amount of the burden game in and game out for years and years and years. And as Chris Williams and I talk about in our podcast, as Chris Hassel and Chris Williams have talked about in their podcast, and I think even Dockerman and Leistico in the uh, Legends and Listeners podcast have talked about, this is the last year that you're going to be able to do that and still compete for trophies. This is it. Next year, there will be no divisions in the Big Ten unless they throw us all a curveball. 
next year, Iowa won't be in the Big Ten West. That comes down to a game between the Hawkeyes and Badgers uh, and occasionally Northwestern as to who's going to you know, win the division. That this is it. This is the last year of that. Starting next year, Iowa's the seventh or eighth best football program in the conference. Now, I know that those type of opinions don't you know, necessarily always equate in the standings, but Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, Oregon, Washington, and USC are inarguably better football programs than Iowa's program right now relative to being able to beat big boy blue blood blue blood ranked teams year in year out not all of them but at least hold your own and play representative and respectful football and sometimes win Iowa hasn't done that against a highly ranked team probably since the Ohio well I should I'm probably forgetting something but it's been a long time and that's because this offense has gone into the dumpster and doused itself with gasoline and then add in a few drops of nitroglycerin. That's the level of dumpster fire that this offense has been and continues to be. And unfortunately, in my opinion, will continue to be for the rest of the season. And that's where we are. Two of 13 on third downs in this game. Michigan State just three of 15. Thankfully, the Spartans had 10 penalties for 94 yards. 21st downs for Michigan State, just 14 for Iowa. Iowa just 61 yards rushing, an average of 2.3 yards per rush. Oh, boy. Well, I think that's probably enough. I've ran it uh, long enough. Appreciate you listening to this. This game and others, including the Iowa State 50-20 to loss at uh, Oklahoma and Norman, will be talked about this week on the Iowa Everywhere Network. The prince of the parlays is still holding on, has hit two of three legs. Michigan covers. Maryland covers. Tomorrow, just need the Eagles at minus six and a half for the second consecutive weekly parlay winner given to you by the prince. And we'll talk about that. And if it doesn't hit, I probably won't bring it up this week. But if it does, you know that I will. We'll talk to you soon. All right, we now welcome into the Channel Seed Studios, uh, my man Chad Winterbor. This is Hawkeye Sunday, presented by Color Manufacturing. Chad, what do you think of the Hawkeyes tonight? Thanks, Aiden. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've been saying all year long, they've got an easy schedule. Just give them time. They'll be fine. Last week, I said burn the the tape because Penn State is just that darn good. Don't worry about it. Just move on. You're going to be fine. But I I don't know how you don't hit the panic button anymore regarding the offense. Um, you know, you're two of 13 tonight on third down efficiency. You're only rushing for 2.3 yards versus arguably one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. Uh, now with McNamara being hurt, uh, we don't know at this point in time the extent of his injury, but I think there's red flags all over the place now. And and after this performance tonight, yes, got the win, but, it, you know, it took a, a punt return to take the lead. And I, I just think there's a lot of things to be concerned about that I thought they would work through. But game after game, it's the same issue. And, and I'm not sure if it's going to get any better, quite frankly. 
So Cade McNamara, obviously we don't know anything. Uh, recording this 10.30 Saturday night, fresh off their win. What do you think the offense looks like without Cade McNamara in these next couple weeks if he's not available? Well, I mean, to be honest, if you've looked at all the stats with him in, the offense wasn't great even when he was in. Um, I kept thinking that he was going to pull him out of it, but I, I mean, I think Chris and Chris's show, they've they've demonstrated that the offense is practically just as bad as it has been in past years. So, again, that's another red flag of McNamara's not there now, or at least we, we kind of assume the way it looks. He probably won't play next week, uh, possibly even longer. So, I mean, Hill did okay tonight, but I don't think anybody's going to sit here and say that they're confident that the Hawks are going to win the Big Ten, um, you know, with, with Hill as the quarterback. So, I don't know. I, I've just got way more questions now than, than before and I'm much more concerned. I, I was talking to one of my friends who was at the game, and in case children are listening to this, I, I can't repeat what he said, but uh, it it's not pretty. I want to talk about Eric All. He kind of had a coming out party tonight. Um what do you think a receiver like that could do for the Iowa offense in times of a question mark at the quarterback position? Well, I mean, I think obviously you need all the weapons you can get right now at this point when you can't run the ball. Um, you know, when you lost your best tight end, they need somebody to step up big time right now. And, and if it's not going to be the offensive line, um, it, it's going to take somebody like him to to step up and, and, be that go-to person um but i just i just think the issues go back to the offensive line and not being able to run the ball and i i I don't know how you get over that any last thoughts before we get out of here no i just i think purdue coming to town next week they just put up i believe 44 tonight on illinois and i was defense is going to have to improve a little too i mean let's face it they're the defensive line did not look great against penn state and now tonight michigan state rushed for what 156 yards while I only rushed for 61, um, that's a little bit concerning on the D-line too. So I, I think defense is really going to have to step up next week and then hold Purdue uh, to much lower than, than obviously what they scored this week. But um, they're going to need special teams to come up big again too because it just doesn't look to me right now like the offense is going to be able to, to do anything significant. All right, Chad, thank you for your time as always. This has been Hawkeye Sunday presented by Keller Manufacturing from the Channel Seed Studios. We'll see you next time. Iowa everywhere.